gets the block. Takes off and he is gone. Trying to stay upright, he trips. Absolutely all alone and he trips. Going to the end zone and ends up carrying it as it is. Not sure I've seen a more embarrassing play by a giant since the Joe Pasarchik fumble in 1976. That was Daniel Jones' 80-yard run where he tripped. Anyways, welcome back to the Big Blue Saloon. I am Peter Storm. I'm joined by the D-man, Eric Diamond, representing Big Blue. And we are rejoined by the irreplaceable Seth Kaplan this week, representing Gang Green. Special thanks to Brett Knopf for filling in last week. D-man, what were your thoughts when Daniel Jones tripped on that play? I was stunned. I was also stunned he didn't fumble the ball. <laughs> but the reality is I felt like seeing Ron Forrest run when he was <laughs> running down the field. I, it's amazing how he felt. Thank God. I mean, they still lost the game, but they scored a touchdown on that drive because if they didn't, oh, the criticism would have been unbelievable. Afterward, they had a good laugh. I, I, actually, I actually didn't think they would score after that play, so I was actually pleasantly surprised, but. But, anyway. but that's why that's why that play is not nearly as bad as the 76 play you referenced or the Mark Sanchez butt fumble. I mean, it still was an 80-yard run by your quarterback. So, I mean, there are a lot worse plays that you can imagine than that. Uh, it, could, it could have been a lot worse. Like, if you fumbled it out of bounds, okay, fine. It was just, just kind of hysterical to watch yeah. on live TV. Though. Oh, that was funny. I was laughing. <laughs> Anyways, in, la- in last week's podcast, Brett, Eric, and I all picked an Eagles win over the Giants. However, I told you exactly how it was going to go down. And, D-Man, you were texting me. I said the Giants would have a lead late late in the game, only to watch Carson Wentz get hot out of nowhere and lead the Eagles back. Of course, the comeback would have not been made possible without the contribution of Big Blue Saloon favorite (laughs) offensive tight end Evan Engram with that drop. Uh, You almost could see that coming. Uh, It it was just incredible – Incredible that the same script for every Giants-Eagles game seems to be played out. Um, I did look at the website, Seth, and noticed that although you were not on last week's show, you did pick the Giants. A little yes. more a little more reverse psychology, although you almost look smart. You, you keep with that reverse psychology team. I don't really understand it. I have no psychology. The Giants should have won. They should have won that game. We all picked against the Jets last week, but the Jets were much more competitive that any of us thought and played an excellent first half. It was almost like they realized, hey, we might win and hurt our chances for Trevor Lawrence, and they stopped playing in the second half. And I'm going to read you some unbelievable stats later between the first half and the second half. Uh, Seth, were you getting concerned that they were going to win? Nope, never. <laughs> <laughs> I will reiterate that on this podcast, we might not deep dive into the different formations that the Giants or Jets use or whether the offensive linemen have the proper technique but we will give you exactly what is going on pulse-wise with each team and what you can expect. We've been pretty spot-on with both teams throughout the season, sans the 49ers-Giants game, which I will keep taking blame for that one, and could not have been any more accurate on how the Eagle-Giants game would play out. Uh, Seth, we have been pretty accurate all season when it comes down to these two teams, I think. Yeah, they're, pre- they're pretty predictable. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I mean, they are, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, on this podcast, and Eric D-Man, we both did say the Giants would have some sort of lead and blow it late. I mean, well, that was... Kudos that, to you two, definitely. That was exactly what happened. Anyways, to set the plate for tonight's episode, we will review in depth the Giants and Jets' Week 7 losses, a look ahead to their Week 8 matchups as Giants play Brady and the Bucks, 
and the Jets have to play the defending Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs, where they are 20-point underdogs in what is being dubbed the Le'Veon Bell revenge game. We will have the latest on the Leonard Williams versus Quinton Williams contest. We revealed the Week 7 winner of the D-Man Big Blue Saloon Pick'em Challenge, and it was not fixed. In our popular segment, Thank You for Treasure, we will reveal where the Jets and Giants stand in the race for the number one pick. We will also discuss some rumors out there ahead of the November 3rd trade deadline and the latest is testing positive for COVID and the potential impact for the Giants this week. Uh, D-Man, what were your thoughts today when you uh, had heard, and Seth, when you'd heard about a Giant player testing positive for COVID? My first thought that it was an offensive lineman was that it was going to spread to the other offensive linemen including Thomas. And for a second, I said, maybe it's better that Thomas is, you know, has COVID so he won't play and, and Jones won't get sacked, you know, three times. Um, but I, I believe no one else has tested positive. I, they've quarantined the offensive lineman. I'm not quite sure how long. I mean, let's hope that no one else has it. I mean, I want to see football this weekend. I don't want this game to be delayed. Well, the rumor has it that Andrew Thomas tried to catch COVID, but he missed <laughs> anyways You've been working on that all week yeah, right? I know. I've, been wait, I've been waiting on that anyways anyways let's review the Giants Eagles but before we do that let's play this clip That Boston Scott touchdown not only gave the Eagles the win over the Giants, but allowed me to beat Seth in our fantasy league by 0.4 points for the highest score in the league. And that's quite an accomplishment considering I was 0-6 going into this week in that league. That is unbelievable. 0-6 yeah. and, and you had the most points in the league. Well, you're missing Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Le'Veon Bell all season. It's not very easy. Anyways, uh, what we just played was the game-winning touchdown from Carson Wentz to Boston Scott. I'm not sure exactly how that pass got in there or what Jaheel Peppers was doing. But anyways, this game seems like a year ago, but it was a result we could see a mile away. The only difference in this game for me is I'll admit the Giants actually dragged me in. I was actually thinking about them winning the NFC East at 5-11 and and how funny that would be and probably would allow John Mara to keep Dave Gettleman another year. However, when you've lost 14 of the last 15 games to a specific team, you can always find new and creative ways to lose a game. The Giants certainly did not disappoint this week. D-Man, your thoughts on this game? Um, well, I was sort of having the same fantasy. Giants up 21-10, six and a half minutes left. And I'm thinking, boy, we win this. We can actually win the division. And, of course, reality set in um, as the Giant defense just fell apart at the end. Ingram dropped the ball. Same old, same old, same old Giants always find a creative way to lose and stabbing you in the back. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> like we said, I mean, there was a couple of plays that you can really point to. Um, the play that bothered me was actually on the prior drive um, when Carson Wentz hit, I believe it was uh, the kid Fulgram over Alex Lewis. I'm not sure what Alex Lewis was doing, letting him get behind him, but those are the kind of plays that help you lose a game. I mean, it was just in, inexcusable. Anyway, it, well, even before that pass, there was a, he actually was called, uh, called for pass interference. Uh, I mean, the play before he got beat deep. Listen, so that was he. You, you and I have been saying since 
we first started this podcast, the other cornerback side opposite of Bradbury was going to be picked on all season. Uh, you know, when once DeAndre Baker was never going to play and Sam Beal opted out and I had said Corey Ballantyne wouldn't last. I mean, it, it, you know, this, that's a... Well, hold on, hold on. We, you mentioned the word Ballantyne. Okay, let's talk about him for one second. All right. Uh, two things he did that killed us in the game. Number one, if you remember, the Giants' first drive uh, of the game, I believe, they had the ball at their 46-yard line. It was fourth and three. Ballantyne was on the left-hand side as we were punt, uh, punt formation. There was nobody covering him. The punter was trying to get to get some – telling everyone, hey, he's all by himself. Should I throw it? <laughs> Ballantyne didn't look over, just ran right down the field like he had no clue what was going on. <laughs> so that could have been a big play. Number two, on the last drive, he's the one – the penalty hit – uh, Jackson in the head, or he hit him with his head, that caused a 15-yard penalty. So instead of start, the Eagles starting at the 14, they started at their 29 on that last drive. Besides the fact, Jackson broke his leg, his ankle. So he's just um, – it's unbelievable how he's just been horrible all it, year. it takes a lot of talent to negatively impact the game, as Ballantyne does, considering he doesn't play all that much. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. Anyways, you know, spe- speaking of the game, on the offensive side of the ball, the-, the Giants had their moments, especially Daniel Jones. And despite the fact that his run will forever be shown on NFL bloopers, it was still an explosive play, something really that misses from that's missing from this offense. Daniel Jones really benefited from the return of Sterling Shepard, although like I had predicted last week, when Shepard comes back, it only starts the clock on his next injury, and he's already banged up. In total, Daniel Jones was 20 of 30 for 187 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. And while and the interception was actually the fault of Evan Engram, I thought. The ball hit him in his hands. And you know the old rule Correct. right from the schoolyard, Seth, if the ball hits you in the hands, you're supposed to catch it. When I, when I saw that play, I couldn't wait to fast forward to this moment in the podcast where you were going to get to trash him. I was <laughs> shake, shaking my head. I knew what was coming. Jones had a fumble. However, that fumble was – pretty inconsequential because it was on the last play of the game. Jones did again lead the Giants in rushing with four carries for 92 yards, which included the aforementioned forever to be remembered NFL blooper 80-yard run. Devontae Freeman was injured early, but Wayne Goldman even impressed the D-man with his hard running. That was probably the hardest 34 yards in a TD that anyone's ever run for. Is that all he had? Yeah. Because yeah. it, seemed, it seemed watching it that he did have more than – Yeah, but he was getting hit in the backfield and getting through some of those tackles. He was running hard. That's what I was texting you during the game. I was like, wow, he's running hard. He, he also caught a couple of uh, screen passes, and the Giants are the only team that don't know how to run a screen pass because uh, somehow eight guys are usually on the guy who catches the screen pass. But somehow Goldman was able to turn a couple of plays like from six-yard losses to three-yard gains. Goldman definitely played well. As he mentioned, Sterling Shepard was back. He had six catches for 59 yards in a TD. His presence seemed to really help Daniel Jones. And as predicted in this podcast last week by myself and the D-man, Darius Slade was invisible as he was shut down by Darius Slay. <laughs> Evan Engram cost the Giants the game with his reprehensible drop. It was another tough game for Andrew Thomas, who was dominated all game by, all game by the Eagles' pass rush, and somehow he was not able to catch COVID from his teammate, Will Hernandez, who lines up right next to him. <laughs> D-Man, any further thoughts on the offense? Yeah, I mean, first on Ingram, he's officially a bust. Um, and actually, that interception that Jones threw, it went off his hands. And although it was thrown kind of hard, he should have had it. 
And then, of course, that big drop on third, third and six on the on the Giants' next to last drive, Listen, like, like, uh, which could have sealed like, the game. Like you said before, and, and I know when I played football as a kid, Seth, I know you played football up on Folletti Circle. That's right. And, and D-Man, you played wherever you played. The ball hits you in the hand. <laughs> I remember you play a game with the older kids. The ball hits you in the hands, and you don't catch it. You're not playing anymore. You're not yeah. getting a route. In the old neighborhood, they send you home for that. You can't yeah. play. <laughs> and that was not – yeah, I mean, Ingram is just – been a disaster. I mean, we really needed him this year. We talked about it during the preseason, and he's been a bust. You can use the word officially bust. And if we can trade him for anything, I would. Well, we're going to get you know going to get into that when we talk about the trade deadline. But I've read in many places the Giants don't want to trade him unless they get a second or third round pick. No, no one's giving them a second right. round pick for that guy. The, the only general manager that would give up a second round pick for him is Dave Gettleman. <laughs> three for three. Three for three. Um, I'm on a roll. Continuing on the offense, uh, Thomas, again, struggled. You know, two sacks he gave up. A couple other Jones was hit uh, right right after he threw the ball. He is really slow to recognize blitzes, very slow to adjust, gets, uh, you know – People, it's so easy to spin off of him. It's it's really he's like in slow motion. It's I can't believe he's how bad he's playing. It's mind blowing. And what makes it, you know, Deion Lewis, um, you know, talk about the turnovers every single game. The Giants again lost the turnover battle three to one, and Deion Lewis's uh, crucial fumble late second half led to a late Eagles field goal right before halftime. You know, Jones struggles to pick up the blitz. There was a play that I remember that the corner came in from the right hand side. Jones is left which means the receiver on the left-hand side is white by himself. And Jones, instead of throwing it to him, looks the other way, throws it to Ingram, who's like double covered. It's like he doesn't see, understand the defensive schemes and blitzes and who's open if someone's blitzing you. Uh, you know, that's the one thing about Eli Manning is that he had a really good IQ-wise when it came to defensive schemes. I'm not so sure Jones has that right now at this part of his career. Yeah. Um, you know, Giants, you know, it's what was missed. The Giants had this awesome 15 play, 97 yard drive that took seven and a half minutes to start the fourth quarter. So the, the Giant defense was very well rested and they totally fell apart the second half, a second part of the fourth quarter. Mind blowing. Well, yeah. And you, you make a good segue into talking about the defense. It was another, another mixed bag of results of good play and poor play. The defense had three sacks by Jaheel Peppers. Marcus Golden, who's since been traded for a sixth-round pick to Arizona, and Dexter Lawrence. They had one interception from James Bradbury. Blake Martinez was all over the field with nine tackles. However, they gave up 442 total yards and two late touchdown drives that lost the game. The biggest culprits to me, again, were Alex Lewis and Jaheel Peppers and Corey Ballantyne. Lewis allowed the big play to Travis Fulgham in the first scoring drive in the fourth quarter. Peppers gave up the game-winning TD pass to Boston Scott, and that was all about technique. If you watch the film closely of Peppers, he actually looked to deflect the ball with the wrong hand. If he had used his other hand, he would, he would have, the ball would have hit him. So I, mean, I, I still don't know. But Boston Scott is like five foot three inches, and he still was able to catch that ball. <laughs> I actually don't understand the Giants' strategy on pass defense all game long is, is Richard Rodgers and the others seem to be wide open all game against whatever zone they were playing. I mean, the defense continues to overachieve in some sense because there's very little talent, but they give up too many fourth-quarter drives. D-Man, your thoughts on the yeah, we've, we've talked. Yeah, we've talked about this. The defense gives up a score this first um, drive of the game, usually right before halftime, and then at the end of the game. The only difference with this uh, game 
was that they gave up two touchdown drives at the end of the game and not just one. Um, you know, the one thing the Giants have done well defensively, for the most part, is not giving up the big play, except the last two drives of the game. You know, yeah. Philadelphia went like 70 yards in 43 seconds. And the guy got 42 yards in two plays and ended up at the Giants' 11-yard line. Look, I, I, yeah, we've been, we've been talking about that all season. I mean, uh, you know, Joe Judge, Joe Judge, again, had the team ready to play, but they're not a good football team. And the only thing that's saving them is the NFC East is terrible. And for me, it's just time to start playing the younger guys. Look, I, 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 will, tell, I will agree with you. If you're up five and a half, if you're up 11 points with five and a half minutes to go, you got to win that game. So no, no question about it. However, Carson Wentz made some great throws. I mean, you guys, I, I mean, it wasn't just the Giants' poorest defense. I mean, he was on target. Like, you can make fun of Boston Scott's height all you want, but he threw a perfect pass to him on that touchdown pass. I mean, it was a perfectly spot. So you got to give Carson some credit. Now, that that was a good pass, but the play to Lewis, Lewis, uh, let, what's his um, high tower run right by him? Right. That, that. His only catch of the day, he's had nine catches all year. <laughs> it's like he was invisible or something like that. I'm, yeah, I mean, at that point in the game, you know, you have to have to be disciplined, and they didn't, they weren't disciplined. I mean, you don't they, get beat deep. That's that's the rule, general rule of def, uh, defensive back, especially in a game. You don't get beat deep, and they did. I mean, I think I think as the season goes on here, and, and Joe Judge seems like he's a, he's a he's a good head coach, and, and I know there's a lot of concerns about you know what happens if Gettleman is fired, but I, I have to think that if Judge, you know, Judge would probably have some say. In, who they would? I mean, I, I've read some reports that the Giants are already talking to some guys that Joe Judge likes, like Vinny Cesario, and a few other guys think, from New England. You think Joe Judge is going to have a say in who replaces Gettleman? I think. I think what's going to happen is I think Joe Judge has taken what is a very talentless team and has them competitive in every game except one. And I have a feeling that I don't think he's going to have a say, but they're going to bring in somebody that he's familiar with. Uh, so he can work with well, that. Yeah, that, I, that I, severely I, limits their options, though. Yeah, He's a first-year no, no coach. Like I, I hope they don't do that for your sake. No, my, I think they think Joe Judge is a keeper. I, I, well, you know, I, I, I agree. I like I like him. I like the way the Giants play hard every game. But you don't think? Hold on. Um, they have that intensity that I haven't seen in years, and the players like him. Look, yeah. I, I totally agree. I'm just saying you're going to tell the GM that he has to keep Judge because then you're going to turn off a lot of GMs. You're going to want him to make his own evaluation. It's a very tough spot. Because we do the same thing with the Jets. So you're firing alternatively GMs and coaches, and one's there and one's not there. But it's a tough spot if you're firing Gettleman and you're going to tell the, the GM coming in, we already have a coach. That turns off a lot of the best candidates. That's all I'm saying. Well, and, that's why, and that's why I think the candidates will be guys that he's, that he's worked with in New England. Which is like know, two like, people. Like the, or it's going to be guys that already like Joe Judge and yeah. want to – you know, or want to keep him. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to hire anyone who wants to get rid of him. I mean, it's not unprecedented. I mean, Kansas City's done that with Andy Reid and, 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 and other but guys. I'm not saying. He's Andy Reid. I mean, this is a first year no, head coach. I, listen, I, I get it. I, I just think that, you know, and, and listen, you don't know, you know, I'm very harsh and, and, and when it comes to the Giants, but I, 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 you know, Joe Judge definitely has, has this team overachieving. I mean, they are a talentless football team and they're competitive in every yeah. game. I would be happy with Judge if I were you too. So, anyways, uh, we've pretty much killed all, all we can on the Giants here today. Let's talk about our favorite other New York team, <laughs> the New York. I Jets. thought you might mean the Bills. But all right. 
That play put the Jets up 9 nothing. Almost had Woody Johnson giving Adam Gase an extension. Oh, um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, almost had almost having almost giving him a, an extension. The Jets were up 10 nothing at the point at that point. They were up 10-6 at halftime. Neil Morris' favorite, Michael Perrine, finally, uh, you know, saw the end zone. Uh, Denzel Mims had four catches for 42 yards. The Jets had 100, a very respectable of 186 yards of offense in the first half. Then came the second half. They forgot about Perrine. They forgot about Mims. And they had five yards of offense in the second half. Four, four yes, yards, sorry. Just get it, get it right. Was Adam Gase late for the game? Seth, what no, happened? Actually, and I don't know if you guys know this, this is actually true. He, he gave up the play calling in the first half. So, and this is true. I'm not trying to be funny. Like, he actually. Did he take it over in the second well, half? Well, my theory is this guy, their offensive coordinator, some guy no one's ever heard of, Dowell Logans. He, he took over the play calling. Gase gave it up. They scored 10 points, scored their first touchdown in like forever. And my guess is at halftime, Gase sat him down. He's like, look, you got to be doing more of X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z got us, you know, four yards in the second half. That's my theory as to what happened. Like, he couldn't leave well enough alone. That would be my theory. That is a probably very accurate <laughs> thing of what probably happened. We, you know, we, listen, we know about Gase. Gase is, doesn't want any blame and he wants all the credit. But you saw, so. it, for those who watched the game, you saw that Gase wasn't calling the plays because there was some variety. They, they were finally doing some. Play. Oh, they even mentioned on, on uh, during the telecast that he wasn't calling the plays. I'm sorry. They mentioned oh, they, during the telecast he wasn't well, calling the plays. Right. So, and you could tell because they were doing things they hadn't been doing all year. I was saying, Darnold's good with the play action pass. They never did it. He was doing play action passes. They did some pitch tosses instead of just handing it to Angels Frank Gore up the middle for three yards every play. <laughs> they tried some other things. So, you know, when you try other things, you might actually get through. So it was good to see that. It was good to see the young guys getting some players. Good to see a Denzel Mims sighting, you know, while all these other all-world rookie receivers are going off. We finally have our guy play his first game. Um, and, and Donald had some decent protection. I mean, he got sacked a few times, but overall I thought it, he got sacked six but, times, but, especially but in the I second half. Gonna be, I actually thought it was going to be worse because he did have enough plays where he did, where he was able to sit back in the pocket and throw the ball. So I thought he was going to be harried the whole game. He wasn't. His decision making stinks, though. Those interceptions were brutal. Bad interceptions. I mean, was he? I mean, it's like he's blind or something. Well, well, he's like throwing the triple coverage. I mean, killer interception, especially that that one in the the first half. It yeah. killed him. Well, as we mentioned before, the giant, the Jets mustered 191 yards of total offense. 187 of them in the first half. Sam Yarnold, Darnold was back in the lineup and had another game that had Jet fans like Seth, like Neil Mars, like Michelle, yearning for Trevor Lawrence. What? As as Darnold was twelve for twenty for one hundred twenty yards and two touchdowns, two interceptions. Sorry, two interceptions, <laughs> uh, no touchdowns. The Jets finally went to a 50-50 split on carries, but between Perrine and the ageless Frank Gore. But although Gore did outgame Perrine sixty to forty, but Perrine had his first NFL touchdown. Denzel Mims made his debut with four catches for 42 yards, all in the first half. The offense looked promising in the first half, but only Adam Gase knows what went wrong in the second half. And as Seth, I think your theory is probably pretty accurate. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. On the defensive side of the ball, the Jets played a bend-but-don't-break defense by giving 422 yards of total offense to the Bills, but holding them to six field goals 
and no touchdowns. I would say that's progress, Seth. Um, yeah, it's like they were bending, but they were sort of like bending over. I mean, they were just like getting <laughs> – no, because on every – With or without Vaseline. Well, 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 every dra- – Whoa, 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 whoa. It's, it's, it's a family <laughs> show here, but um, – Sorry. <laughs> every drive – they were getting into the red zone. So, yeah, I, but it was like they were doing, as, as all these other teams, they were going up and down the field at will, it seemed like. And, yes, we, quote, unquote, held them to six field goals. But when they get to the red zone every single drive – and, by the way, they also missed a couple of field goals. They could have had more. But they were in the red zone every single drive. So, I, I wasn't – Well, the defense was exhausted. I mean, the Jets got one first down in, in the entire second half. It was three and out every single drive. Oh, There's no I rest. Know, we've all seen defensive teams – like defensive teams hold the other side to like low scoring games. We just, we just can't do that. We just listen on that last drive. You still had a chance to tie the game at the last drive of the game. You never thought that was no, possible. But by the same token, I never thought that they were going to win either. Well, of course <laughs> you, not. But, <you're> just... <laughs> but I'm saying they still had a chance. They're only uh, one yeah. score down because the defense held my... all those field goals. Set the, the set. The question for me was you, were you rooting for them to well, win or lose? I wasn't, rooting i just knew the inevitable i could watch the game objectively knowing that no matter what i rooted for they were going to lose anyway so there's some comfort in that because i can't actively root against my team i just i can't do it so what i want to do is i want to root them to to play well to have the young guys develop and just you know accept the fact that they're inevitably going to find a way to lose but i I do want to see some progress in the teams i want to see donald get better i want to see mims play i want to see perrine why they keep giving the ball to to Gore, I have no idea. He may be ageless, but there's zero point in getting. Let, let the young guys play. Let let P Ryan let him be the workhorse. Let's see what he's got. Why are we giving it to Frank Gore? Is he going to be on the team next year nah, at 44? No, no, nah, you, nah, you're, you're 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 spot on. I mean, on a positive side, Quinton Williams had a really good game. He had a sack, and he was sort of all over the field, um, which probably leads to the fact that why there were trade rumors for him this week. Because once a guy in the Jets plays well, Gase feels like he's overshadowed and he starts offending them and putting on the trade block. You know, we bashed the Giants' offensive line, but Darnold was sacked six times. The Jets only had 45 offensive plays. That's like every seven or so plays he's getting sacked. Yeah, well, Why the, was the offensive line so bad? But the big the big difference, though, for the Jets is at least Becton is playing well. They weren't on sacks on he him. Is, and, and, you know, it, if the six, if the six fat sacks are because of George Fant, nobody and, cares. And I, and I do think that some of those sacks is just Donald holding the ball too long. It's it's they, it wasn't like he got killed right away. He's got to get rid of the ball quicker. He's definitely got to improve up on that. Yeah. Well, anyways, you know it's it's you know the Jets are now zero seven, so now it's time to look ahead to next week where both teams have difficult matchups. The Jets play 1 p.m. Sunday versus defending Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Giants play on Monday night against Tom Brady and the Bucks. So we will start with the Jets versus Chiefs, and I will go first. Um, the Jets-Chiefs, is there a bigger mismatch in football than this? Defending Super Bowl champs, the 6-1 Chiefs at home versus the 0-7 Jets. Some are calling this the Le'Veon Bell revenge game. I call this game when the bullies take over gym class and pick all the best athletes to play against the nerds, kind of like in the Goldbergs. <laughs> I, I mean, basically, it's Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Hillel, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey versus Sam Darnold, Frank Gore, Denzel Mims, and Chris Herndon. Yeah. 
Seth, you, Seth, you always had Vic on your side back in high school, so no, you don't know how that. But I don't know why we would call this the Le'Veon Bell revenge game. What, what does he need revenge for? We gave him $30 million for playing a year and a half. We granted him a release, and now he's on, like, the best team in the league. He should, it should be the Le'Veon Bell thank you game. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> what is he yeah, you're right. For? You're right. He's, but he's pissed. He's happy. I don't know. He's pissed. He's pissed. He's, he's the one calling it the Le'Veon Did Bell thank you, you guys, I, I, I follow him on Twitter, and he said so, – after the, the, the last game, he said something like, God, that felt good. Like, he's just so happy. So, please. He doesn't need any revenge. He's thirty million dollars richer. And he's on the best yeah. team in the league. He's happy. The the the, the bullies versus nerds argument continues on the defensive side of the ball too, where the Chiefs have Chris Jones, Frank Warner, Walker, and the Honey Badger. Um, my prediction for this game is Chiefs thirty, Jets ten. I think Andy Reid will try to win this game with as little effort as possible. Well, he won't That's- have to try that hard. The thing that's um, disappointing slash exciting is you guys know like i've been on the baseball fields every weekend and i haven't watched the jets live in about four or five weeks and i otherwise would be excited to see this game live but i know by about 107 the game's going to be over uh so what i'm i what i see happening is i see the chiefs going up like 21 nothing by the first quarter and going just berserk and the jets just giving up early and i see it chiefs 45 to 3 that's that's how I see it. <laughs> I've I've seen the script yeah. before. I mean, this obviously is going to be an ugly game. You know, the Jets came into last game leading the league in missed tackles. You know, they're playing a Chiefs team that has so many playmakers: Tyrone Hill, um, Tyreek Hill. They break tackles left and right. I think the Jets are going to get some garbage time touchdowns at the end. I predict Chiefs thirty-eight, Jets seventeen. Okay, so all three of us, to no surprise of any, have picked the Chiefs. I mean, I you know I hope at some point we could put a little bit more analysis and thought into our predictions. But I mean, this game is a suicide pool dream if you haven't taken the Chiefs yet. Do you want you? So Monday night at eight fifteen at MetLife Stadium, Tom Brady returns to MetLife Stadium against the Giants, and and I'll call this another New York football mismatch. As the five and two Bucks take on his one and six Giants, if the Giants' season was not bad enough, they have now been the latest team impacted by COVID. As reported exclusively earlier on the Big Blue Saloon page, Will Hernandez tested positive and is now on the COVID reserve list. I kind of love. I kind of love today when somebody questioned me, "How'd you get the name?" When it wasn't reported, but I got the name. Made us look smart. Anyways, Will Hernandez will not help. Would not help in this game. Anyways, the Bucks are starting to hit their stride. Is Tommy Tom Brady is coming off a game where he threw five TD passes, which is one of the reasons I was a high scorer in two leagues this week. Rom Gronkowski started to hit his stride. Chris Godwin is going to miss yet another game, but Mike Evans seems to be getting healthier. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones make up a very good one-two running back combo, but they're even more dangerous in the passing game. On the defensive side, the Bucks have a formidable pass rush led by Shaq Barrett and our old friend JPP. How in the world does Andrew Thomas hold up here? And a lot of the story about how lopsided the game gets will be based on Andrew Thomas and the offensive line. Wayne Goldman looks like he'll be the feature back as Devontae Freeman is banged up. My prediction here, again, not a lot of deep analysis here. I think it'll be the Bucks 27, the Giants 13. D-Man? Yeah, this is not the matchup that looks good for the Giants. You know, the, you know everyone thinks about, hears about Brady and, and Tampa Bay wideouts. 
But the Tampa defense, as you pointed out, is very good. You know, they held Josh Jacobs to 17 yards on 10 carries. And they've actually, they have actually only given up 341 yards on the season, which is the lowest in the league. And the Giants don't have a, a running game to begin with outside of, you know, Daniel Jones doing his Forrest Gump interpretation. They're tied for second place with nine <laughs> interceptions. And did you ever hear of Devin White? Because he had three sacks last week. They're second in the league with 25 sacks, facing one of the worst offensive lines in the league, led by Andrew Thomas. And the Gronk is back. You know, remember I've always talked about the red zone? Tom, Tom Brady has thrown 15 touchdowns and no interceptions, 27 out of 40. Daniel Jones is 19 out of 38, so that's kind of close as far as the amount of passes. He's thrown two touchdowns and three interceptions. That's a big difference, and that's why this will be a big difference in the game. Tampa 30, Giants 16. So you're, so you're, so you're picking the Giants? No, so Tampa 30, Giants 16. I, mean, I, th- I do think the Giants will keep it reasonably close first half, but I think midway through the third quarter, you know, Brady makes some big plays, big difference. You know, I'm sure – I guarantee – There'll be a, a fumble by Jones being sacked this this week. That's definitely gonna happen. Again. Do we need to do we need to wait to find out if Tom Brady's playing for this official pick? Or are you I'm sticking good to with go? Him? Okay. All right. So Seth, are you taking the um, this week? I, I, I think it's it's so funny. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, uh WFAN's trying to hype up the game by saying that the Giants always have a uh, way of playing big in the big games versus Brady, you know, from the two Super Bowls. And it's like those all those players and coaches are so far gone. Like the way they try to hype it up that way, I think is such a lost cause. Um, Brady's Brady's big time back. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, ridiculous. By the way, do you know who's who's the big defensive coordinator for the Bucks? Who's playing help? Todd Bowles. Yeah, Todd. And then Todd Adam Gase is replaced. Yeah, you want him back as a coach? Not at all. Not at all. We just go from worse to more worse. It's just the, I, good for Todd. I'm happy for him. Let him stay in Tampa. But um, yeah, I think. Tom Brady's on a roll. He's hitting his stride. This is what I was expecting from him at the beginning of the season. Took him a couple weeks to get going, but uh, I don't see the Giants stopping him. I say uh, Bucks 28-10. Okay, so here we go again. All three of us have picked the uh, Buccaneers, and all three of us have picked the Chiefs. So when we sit here next week, the Jets should be 0-8, and the Giants should be 1-7. So it continues. The dream season continues. Uh, something to look forward to, though, the NFL trade deadline is on November 3rd, actually on Election Day, which I don't know if they planned it that way. Um, we'll start with the Giants. There have been different rumors of the Giants buying and selling. One report had them willing, give, willing to give up draft picks for Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay, and other reports have them ready to sell off on Kevin Zietler, Golden Tate, and others. Evan Agram, as we discussed earlier, for whatever reason, is not somebody they want to trade. They did gain a sixth-round pick for Marcus Golden this week. Um, in my opinion, and this was written by a couple of writers, Dave Gettleman should not be allowed to make any trades that cost the Giants draft capital. He should not be allowed. I know Kenny Galladay would be something they need, but I'm not giving up a third-round pick for him as he's a free agent after next season. Uh, thoughts, D-Man, on the Giants? At the no, trade I agree with line. you. If, you know, to me, anyone on a team that's you know not a young player – um, can be traded if they have any value. And that's all the veterans like Golden Tate, uh, Kevin Zeitler. You know, as far as Ke- uh, Kenny Galladay, I mean, obviously the Giants need a playmaker uh, and a wide receiver, like a young receiver like Galladay. So, yeah, I'd be happy to take him, but depends on how many draft picks they want. And, 
you know, I'm not giving up a number one for him. No, <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they would because the number one is going to be a yeah. top five pick. Anyways, um, Seth on the Jets, the Jets should be selling, but I'm not sure of any player in their lineup outside of Jamison Crowder that might return anything. Considering they've said they're not dealing Quinn and Williams. Um, yeah, what are your I, thoughts I on the can't Jets believe this that talk point? about trading Quinn and Williams. He's like one of like our two defensive players who's actually worth keeping. We got him a year and a half ago. He was the third pick in the draft. He's finally showing some flashes. There's absolutely no incentive. I mean, the, 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 the sale is like, hey, we'll get more draft picks. But people forget you have to replace the talent too. So I don't know if they traded him for like a second or third round pick. Who's playing on the defensive line? Like you're just going to have to use that pick to try to replace him. I, I, I don't get it. So I, I, they should sell yeah. for people they can sell. Like if someone wants something for Crowder as great as he's played for us, I get that. But the 23-year-old second-year defensive line said, let him grow. He's one of the few guys we should keep. Actually, actually to me, the player that has the very, most value very, to trade is Darnold. Well, here's the thing. Um, no, he doesn't have a lot of value right now because of what's gone on. So no, one's, you know, no one's given anything of value. But you also don't know where we're going to end up. So I would be very nervous trading Darnold. If, God forbid, we win a couple of games and we're picking eighth in the draft, then we're really screwed. So I, I can't I can't do that. I can't sign up for that. Plus No no the, the the time to trade Darnold is when they find out they have the number one pick and and if they find out that Trevor Lawrence is actually gonna come out and, and then and then you think about trading right. Darnold at that Maybe. point you seeing what you can Maybe. get for him. Yeah. I, I was really confused by the Quinn Williams rumors. The only thing I could think of is that he's the next like Jamal Adams and he doesn't like Adam Gase and I, I don't know, but Correct. he has that he kind of not. pedigree yet, anyways. So, so anyway, speaking of Quinn and Williams, uh, the, our ongoing Quinn and Williams versus Leonard Williams contest, and I got to say this has been a much more interesting contest than we could have ever thought about, and I have just gotten word, uh, interestingly enough, breaking news, Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID-19, so he will miss this week's game. I just, just news wow. that just came over the wire, Trevor Lawrence has tested positive huh. for COVID-19. Breaking news. Wow. Breaking news right on this podcast. Uh, I, I, I'm sure somebody's already posted it on the uh, Martucci Blue Saloon Facebook page. Anyway, right. <laughs> Martucci would be the top candidate. And you, and, you know, and we, and we digress because you missed him last I week. He, had, he did quite a spot. I'm giving him props. Anyways, Quinn Williams, yeah, Quinn Williams did pick up a sack this week and is now three, and he's tied with Leonard Williams. Quinn probably had one of his better games as a pro with four tackles and he was all over the place. Uh, Leonard Williams had one tackle and no sackles, tackles, but I'm sure all the Leonard Williams apologists out there will say he had pressures. So the That's advantage is now even 3-3. <laughs> yeah. And the aforementioned Trevor Lawrence, we get into our tanking for Trevor update. Um, very timely. The Jets are the only winners team in the NFL, so they remain in their rightful place in the top spot of the t- tanking for Trevor rankings. Uh, if you really look at it, there are legitimately 12 teams right now that could easily make their way into the top five any point this season. Um, right now, here they are, at, starting with number five, the Houston Texans, one and six. I think this number five slot will continue to be fluid, and the Texans return to the list after two weeks off of it. To make, to make matters worse, uh, if they do finish the top five, their pick is right. conveyed to Miami, right. so they wouldn't even have this pick. Uh, Atlanta Falcons playing right now on Thursday night football are one and six. Um, they should have won last week. 
Uh, Todd Gurley scored a touchdown when he should have not. Um, Detroit scored on a last drive. Uh, just now, if you're watching the game, the Falcons had the ball fourth and one at the two-yard line. When you're one and six, you go for it. They kick the field goal. Um, so Atlanta does have a lot of talent, but they are one and six, and they are number four on this list. Moving up to number three, and I think the team that's a real threat to the Jets and the Giants is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags have now dropped six in a row since the surprise opening week win. They were the favorites for the number one pick prior to the season and probably will not win another game for the rest of the season. Uh, and Garden Minshaw today supposedly had multiple fractures in your thumb. I didn't really think that was possible. But yeah, the Jaguars will rue the day that they won that opening week game uh, if they haven't already. Because I agree with you. They're going 1-15. It's a shame the Jaguars don't play the Jets this year. That would have been interesting. Uh, yeah. I could see that. Could it, it would have been even better if that was a Thursday night game at the end of the season. They could have really build that up. <laughs> they call it the tank game. Anyway, that number two, moving from three to two, the New York football Giants. The silver lining to the Giants' gut-wrenching loss to the Eagles was jumping from three to two in these standings. And they are just one jet slip-up from climbing back to number one as their SOS is much lower than the Jets. However, the Giants do have a couple winnable games left in the schedule, specifically Dallas, and are playing hard, so they may hop off of this list at some point. And oh. drum roll, please. Zach. At number one, the Jets at 0-7. They remain at the top spot of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes after sweating out a close game with the Bills. However, there's starting to be a lot of buzz around the people close to Lawrence advising him to stay away from the Jets if they have the number one pick. I'm not exactly sure how that happens. He's not exactly a Manning. He, you know, he's won a national title. He's won the Heisman. He has really no reason to stay at Clemson. So I think if the Jets have the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence will be there. Uh, uh, I, I would like to COVID. think so. It does remind me of the Peyton Manning deal. Um, and I remember that like it was yesterday, even though it was back in 97. And I think I saw this on a documentary where, where, they, where Peyton said he would have come out if Parcells guaranteed that he'd be the number one pick and Parcells wouldn't do it. So he said, F you, I'm staying in school. I don't think that would be Trevor Lawrence's deal, but it's possible he could come out and then, you know, depending on his agent, refuse to play for the Jets, a la, right, like, like uh, Eli Manning, right? Right? Like, I could see that Eli. happening, but I hope he doesn't. See, I can see that happening more than him not coming out. I mean, with all the amount of injuries in the game, he's going to want to get paid. You yeah, know, there's always that chance that he gets seriously hurt during his senior year in a meaningless game. Right. He's coming out. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see a guy like Trevor Lawrence turning down a New York market. I, I don't care if it's the Jets or what. He could be as you big know, as – or even all, bigger than Joe Namath. This is all posturing. This is all posturing. You know, you have Trevor Lawrence in, in tow. The Jets coaching job becomes very attractive. Um, even his college coach could be a candidate. Who the hell knows? I agree. I think the whole thing's all you know. about nothing. It all started because someone said to him, hey, you know, what do you think about, you know, playing in the NFL next year? And he said something to the effect of, well, you know, we'll just have to see. And everyone's like, ooh, he's leaving open the possibility that he's going to go back to school. But, I mean, what's the kid supposed to say? Right. He's not supposed to say, I've already decided I'm coming out. He can't do that yet. So I, I, I agree. I don't think it's much about nothing. I'm just more concerned about whether he tries to pull a power move and, and dictate a trade. I mean, why, why in the world would this guy listen to Roddy White? <laughs> Who's asking Roddy, Roddy White? White, by the way? <laughs> who, who is Roddy White? He was a 
he had a couple of good years as a wide receiver right. for the Atlanta Falcons. His nephew or his cousin is an offensive lineman on Clemson. Who knows if these guys are even friends? I mean, uh, it's ridiculous. So at the end of the day, if the Jets can bring a good coach in for Trevor Lawrence, he's going to go play in the New York market and be big, be a big shit here. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. I mean, that's just uh, he, he he's not he's not a Manning. There's not Bill Parcells. The Eagles and the Mannings and Par- Bill Parcells are not here right now. That it's is a true. Different situation. It's apples right. and oranges. But it, but you know it's going to be like I said. It's just it's 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 sad. We've been talking about this from the beginning of the season. It's a seed to actually come to fruition for both teams. Is is well, very. Well, I think your Giants. They they've been playing too well. They're going to win a couple of more games at least. They're not going to be in it when all is said and done. Um, but like any game that the Jets play with a lead, I'm afraid that they will blow this one as well, and that they will win a game or two. And uh, what. I, well, it's definitely not happening this no, no, week. That's for sure. There's no. Right. If the game, it would be the greatest upset of all time if they beat the Chiefs. Yeah, you, you're week, but I saw week. that there's uh, six or seven other teams with only one win. So I mean, it's a long season, yeah. and they just need one. Like you said, their strength of schedule is actually pretty high. So I think the Jets would lose the tiebreaker to just about everybody. So yeah. yeah so I, I'm saying I'm not confident that they uh, have it locked up yet. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, the Jaguars. Jaguars are definitely the Jets' uh, best competition. I agree. I mean, if you look at the Giants' schedule, though, I, I actually think there's only one more game they definitely win, and that's Dallas at home. I think they will win that game right now. Um, I mean, I think it's another big game next week or the week right. after against Washington again. And watch, you know, it's it's another it's another big game. I mean, you know, and Washington seems to find a way to lose to the Giants in these games to to help their draft position. So we'll see. Anyways, uh. We got to move along as Seth has to attend a. Uh, <laughs> it's not a day. It's merely a pickup, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, the, the, so, anyways, the fix was not in this week as the D Man was the winner, the week seven winner of the D Man Big Blue Pick'em Challenge. Eric defeat picking savant Paul Greenberg, who seems to be in it every week, thanks to the Rams' win over the Bears on Monday night. If you were on the list, you saw Diamonds for Rose. And a dinner at the Olive Garden this week weekend is in tow for the D-Man. D-Man Congratulations. Great job this week. Thank you. Thank you. I struggled with my picks, and it was nice doing it. But I got lucky. There were a lot of close games that went down to the wire and could win either way. I actually thought I won Sunday night, but Seattle defense blew the game to Arizona. So, Yeah, D-Man was celebrating uh, Sunday was. night. <laughs> Anyways, um, as far as the non-hair shaving contest, Thank Seth, you. you're in trouble here. Eric now leads with 71, followed with by me with 69, and Seth, yeah. you have 67. Seth, the world is watching. Nobody's watching the contest, closely. and I'm not shaving my head, so let's just put that out there. Okay, go ahead. No, we know you're not shaving your head, but, you know, we, we, we will expect something maybe like a, I don't uh, know. <laughs> we'll see. Don't hold your breath. Hey, uh, anyways, if you are a listener, please do not forget to join the Big Blue Facebook page. We're now at 122 members, Seth, as we are creeping closer to that 125th person to join. And that person will receive two free tickets to your next community theater play. If there is ever a uh, community theater again. There will be. Um, that announcement to be coming later. But the tickets are to be purchased by the Stormer, FYI. Okay. <laughs> I will yes, be purchasing yes, the tickets. Yes, it was will. my idea. The prize is in just watching <laughs> Seth perform. And strangely, no one's c- secured that spot yet. It's been open for about three weeks, but all right, go ahead. 
We're, but we were, we were at 107 when we started. I think if you announce a different prize, now. we might get there a little faster. Just just a hunch. <laughs> could, could be. Could be. So, Seth, you, you will share exclusively I, when that next play sure. will be right here on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Suddenly Anyways. the ratings soar. <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, before we close it out, any final thoughts? Uh, no, Seth? like I said, I'm looking forward to spending my first weekend watching football live. Um, I, I have no expectations that the Jets will play a competitive game, but they could surprise us. I just want to see the young guys play, and I would appreciate it if they don't get blown out of the building. But like I said, I'm not holding my breath. D-Man. You know, I'm curious to see how the offensive line, specifically Thomas Delza, gets a, tam- a good uh, defensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Plus, can the Giants make plays to stop Brady, get some turnovers, and really keep the game close where anything can happen. Um, again, I just don't see it, but you never know. In the sports, anything can happen. I don't know. In my final thoughts, it would be completely shocking to see for me, for us to come back here next week and have either team um, win this week. Uh, the Giants, again, you, you, you want to see some improvement from Daniel Jones, the offensive line that kind of stuff from the Jets. I agree, Seth. You want to see Denzel Mims. You want to see Becton. You want to see some of the rookies on the defensive side. You want to see Darnold get the team into the end zone. And we all want to win our fantasy matchups. Those, those are the most can important I, can I have, this week. Can I add one other piece of breaking news before we go? As I just checked yes. the Big Blue Saloon while we were on here, and there is an announcement, more breaking news, future Jet Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID, posted by... I called it Neil Martucci. So I'm feeling good. My picks, I called that one. And I think my picks now are in good shape. So I'm feeling confident. Thank you to breaking Neil Martucci. Um, breaking news. Uh, if we weren't on this podcast, it would have probably been posted by myself. I, I would like to see one of you two post some breaking news sometime. But that's well, we're I not as well connected as you. <laughs> I did. I, I did, know. I can't I don't reveal have a source, but I did. I did get. I did get the Will no. Hernandez name today before it was public news, and I felt no embarrassment in posting it. I was 100 percent confident in the person that told right. me. So, anyways, uh, it's closing time here in the saloon this week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We will be back next week, probably with a report of the Giants Jets loss. Um, I guess by how much will be the bigger question, uh, and we'll look ahead to Week Nine. I believe the Giants are on bye in week after this week. I'm not sure. Um, and the Jets will – they changed around the Jets' schedule. The Jets they're... have been on bye since week one. Anyways, and then, of course, <laughs> of course, COVID, of course uh, hopefully the Giants won't be more impacted by COVID. I'm Peter Storm for Eric Diamond, and welcome back to Seth Kaplan. Until next time.